This is Stand Up For Jesus with your host, Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up For Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and His Word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up For Jesus, here's Craig Nedro. Welcome to the program. This is Stand Up For Jesus, and my name is Craig Nedro. On the program today, I'm going to continue what I began last week, and it's a teaching series, and I uh, I call it a teaching series for just lack of a better description. But what I'm doing is I've just recently released my second book. The name of the book is uh, You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. And in this book, uh, what I attempt to do is look at several different um, subjects concerning America and the state of the world, the state of our nation today. And I try to try to look at uh, these different subjects through the lenses of what God's Word has to say. In other words, let's look, let's take a truthful, honest look at what where we're at as a nation, and let's look at it through the lens of Scripture. That's my attempt uh, in what I'm doing in this book. Um, I'm not trying to sell books. Um, I mentioned this before on another program. I'll mention it several times on this program as well as future programs. Um, All the proceeds from this book will go to missions and to support um, different uh, aspects of the ministry. I will not profit a dime from this, me personally. It's all going to be, uh, all the proceeds will go to ministry work. Um, If it's it's um, at the end of the program. You will hear a, a telephone number given, and if somebody uh, says, "Craig, I'd like to have your book. I just can't afford to buy a book." If you'll send me uh, contact information with a name and an address, I will personally pay for someone to have the book sent to them. Um, I'm not trying to profit off the off the sale of this book, but I do feel it's important for us to take a look at what's happening in America today. And look at it through God's word, and and I call the book the title of the book is "You Can't Handle the Truth," because I will tell you it's um, sometimes w- when we look at something, and I will I'll just give a little personal testimony here. In my own life, there was a period where the Lord took me and set me aside, and it was a very difficult period in my life in one aspect, in that I had to to take to take a, a real honest evaluation of myself um, and where I was at in my life. And sometimes doing that can be painful, but the process is is positive, and the process can bring a lot of fruit. But to do that, sometimes that's painful because it's like looking in a mirror and seeing something in the mirror and saying, I don't like what I'm looking at in the mirror. And as I look at where we're at in this country, we have a lot of problems in this nation that we simply don't have the answers for. And I, and yet I believe there's a fairly simple answer, but I believe that either A, many, many people don't want to hear the truth of what the answer is to a lot of our problems, or they just can't handle the answer. They can't handle the truth of what's really wrong. And so that's where the title came from. You know, there's a, there's a movie called A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, and it's a famous scene in the courtroom where Jack Nicholson is on the stand and Tom Cruise is is questioning him, and it begins to get very intense between the two of them. And at one point, Nicholson says to Tom Cruise, what do you want from me? And Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. 
and Nicholson fires back, uh, and he says, you can't handle the truth. And that's where the inspiration for the title of this book came from. And so the title of the book is called You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. It can be purchased at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. So you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and plug uh, plug in You Can't Handle the Truth or uh, um, Craig Nedro, and it should pop up, and you can order it there. Now, I say all that to say this. For the next several weeks, I'll be teaching from the book. And you might think, well, that's a little peculiar, Craig. Why do you want to teach from the book? And I will tell you, um, and this was true when I wrote my first book, it's also true with this second book that I have written. I believe the Lord led me to write this book. I believe that the Lord led me to on the topics that I write about, and the book is full of, uh, of Scripture. And so I, I'm going to go through these different subject matters in this book over the next several weeks. I don't know how many weeks it's going to take. Um, I try to let the Holy Spirit lead me. And I will tell you, there may be sometimes when I get through two chapters in one week, and there might be another chapter that takes me several weeks to get through because that's I feel like the Lord's landed us there for a reason. So as I go through the teaching in this book, I'm going to ask you that if you can, have your Bibles uh, next to you so we can look at Scripture together. If not, I will read the Scriptures that are in the book, and I will stop and talk about uh, many of these Scriptures as we go through. So uh, on last week's program, I mentioned uh, something, and I want to start this or, this out before I get into Chapter 1. Uh, I just basically touched on the introduction and the motivation for writing this book last week. And at the end of the um, introduction, uh, I wrote in the book, it says the average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been uh, 200 years. And these nations have progressed through a certain sequence. And I want to read this sequence, and, uh, and I want you to stop and think about where is America in this sequence that I'm about to read. And many of you may have heard this before, but I think it's worth hearing about and thinking about again. So here... All great nations of the of the past that have been in existence for an average of 200 years have progressed through this sequence, uh, from bondage to spiritual faith, and then from spiritual faith to great courage, and then from courage to liberty, and then from liberty to abundance, and then from abundance to selfishness, and then from selfishness to apathy. And then from apathy into dependence, and then from dependence back into bondage. Now, I, I in my book I say, please stop, think about this quote, and ask yourself this question: Where is America in this sequence? And and you know you may differ from my opinion of it, but in my opinion, we're we've passed the selfish part, the the the. the third to the end that says from selfishness to apathy. I think we've, we've, we obviously we've been in the selfishness uh, period for quite some time, but I think we've also, we've gone into the apathy. And I think now we're the, the really where we're at as a nation is in the, from apathy to dependence. We're becoming dependent on um, our government. We're being dependent on becoming dependent on handouts um, we've lost a lot of our drive and our work ethic that our past forefathers had, uh, the, the hard work, um, the drive, the determination that our, some of our past uh, generations had seems to be um, lost now. And so I think we're in this 
from apathy to dependence realm. And then notice the disturbing part of that is the last one is from dependence back into bondage. And and I, I say this, and it grieves me to say it, but I think that's where we're at. We're in this apathy to dependence phase. And so um, I think it's worthy to just think about where are we at as a country right now? So I want to I want to go from there. I don't want to start teaching from the different chapters of the book, and I'm going to start in chapter one. And chapter one in the book, uh, my book called "You Can't Handle the Truth: What's Really Happening in America." Chapter one is titled "What Is Truth." So, um, when I teach from this, you're going to hear me talk a lot about the Bible and about God's Word, and a, a, a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I will tell you that. Um, the Bible is true. From the opening chapter of Genesis to the closing chapter of Revelation, the Bible is true. Jesus said in John chapter 17, uh, he was praying to the Father, and he said, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So at least for me in my life, I have settled it in my mind and in my spirit and in my life that the Bible is the truth. Now, it's important that we are able to start there because if you don't believe that the Bible's true, then there's then obviously you're probably not going to want to read my book, and you're probably also not going to agree with a lot or, or most of what I talk about on this program. But I make no apologies, folks. I believe that the Bible is true. I believe it's God's Word from the opening chapter of Genesis to the closing chapter of Revelation. I think it's all God's Word, and I think it's true. And, and so... That It's important for you that you understand when I teach, whether it be just on a topic on this radio program that I've been on the air over 14 years or from my, my, current, my current book, that I'm teaching from a, a place where I believe that the Bible is the truth. And so the uh, opening chapter is called What is Truth? And I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs here, and then I'm going to jump in, in into a, a particular scripture. In the opening chapter of uh, chapter one, what is truth? I write this. I say Webster defines truth as quote the real facts about something. And in Psalm fifty one and six, David says of God, and this is in Psalms fifty one and six. If you want to flip your Bible open to there, and in Psalms fifty one and six, my Bible says uh, David speaking about the Lord, and David says, "Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts." In other words, um, God already knows the truth, um, but when we come to him in our prayer life or in, in, in just in conversations, I love what David said, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. In other words, I'm God and I already know the truth. You can come to me because I already know. And think about it as a parent or a grandparent. How many times have you ever asked your children or your grandchildren a question and you already know the answer, but you ask them anyway because you're hoping that they'll come to you and they'll confess or be honest with you about the answer? And I I remember growing up, sometimes I would make a mistake or I would do something wrong. And when I finally came to my dad and told him about it, he said, "I, you know, I appreciate you coming and letting me know, but I already knew about it. But my dad wanted me to come to him and be honest with him and be truthful with him about it, even though he already knew about it. And the same thing applies with our Heavenly Father. Our Father already knows the truth about things. But there's a certain um, benefit to us when we come and just open it up and be truthful, truthful with God from the very inward part. 
And David says, you, to, speaking about God, you desire truth in the inward parts. In other words, don't come to me and try to persuade me. Don't try to manipulate me, God would say. I already know it, but why don't we get down and let's peel back the onion and get real. Let's be truthful because I already know the truth, and really, so do you. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it truthfully. And so that's where the whole uh, foundation of this book comes from. You can't handle the truth is God wants truth from us in the inward parts. And then I write and I say in John 18, Jesus spoke with Pontius Pilate and the Bible says, quote, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you rightly say that I am a king for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So, again, you know, to me, when we sit down and we begin to study the Bible, it's important that we understand that um, when Jesus speaks, he's speaking the truth. When God speaks in in the Bible, he's speaking the truth. And sometimes it may be difficult for us to hear that, It may be difficult for us to read a section of Scripture, and it may make us uncomfortable. It may convict us. It may go contrary to what we as a society think is right or wrong. But, folks, let me explain something. Just because society says something is right doesn't make it right. Just because um, the, the majority of people say, well, we believe this is right doesn't make it right. At the end of all things, what makes it right is what does God say? Because if God says something is right, that's what makes it right. And if God says something is wrong, that's what makes it wrong, not what you or I believe. There's a plumb line, and it's God's Word. And so, to me, that's an important point I want to get established in the first part of the book. Uh, I'm going to take my first break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I'm teaching from Chapter 1 in my new book. The new book is titled, You Can't Handle the Truth, What is Really Happening in America. And so I'm the next several weeks I'm going to be teaching from the, the book because I think it's, an, and I, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, Uh, I wouldn't have written the book if I didn't think it was relevant. I think that we have a lot of problems in our country right now that we don't have the answers to. I think we are at a crossroads in America. Um, As a matter of fact, I want to take just a second, and I want to read what I I wrote on the back cover of it because this will kind of give you a snapshot of where I'm coming from in writing this book. On the back cover of this book, I say, as we witness what is currently taking place in America, many people share the feeling that something is very wrong. We seem to be replacing our historical values with some radically different ideas. The voice of the conservative, family-oriented, law-abiding, God-fearing population is being drowned out by chaos and a spirit of lawlessness. We don't seem to have answers for most of the problems that that are engulfing the nation. And it is from this perspective that I wrote this book, You Can't Handle the Truth. Could it be that the answer to America's problems isn't as difficult as they appear? What if there really is a simple solution? And so that's 
That's that, I wrote that on the back cover of my new book, You Can't Handle the Truth. So today I'm in part two of my teaching series on this book, and I'm in chapter one, What is Truth? And before the break, I read in John chapter 18 when Jesus is speaking, and this is when Jesus went before Pontius Pilate, and in verse 37 it says, Pilate therefore said to him, being Jesus, are you a king then? And Jesus said, you, you, are, you, are, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. So it, I, I humbly ha- have submitted in my own life that when I read the Bible, whether it makes me comfortable or uncomfortable, whether it convicts me or comforts me, I have settled it in my mind and in my life that when I open the Bible and I read the Bible, I'm reading the truth. And if, you don't, if you're not at that point, then a lot of what I write in this book you probably won't agree with. And that's okay if you don't agree with it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, all I'm saying is that's, that's the attempt that I make is to look at the America and the things that are going on in America and the different subjects in this book from the truth of God's Word. I write in here in the book, I say, I, make, I, I will make a bold statement here regarding Jesus' words. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then I write, to a large degree in America, I believe that we are losing the desire and or the ability to hear the truth of God's word. Now, I want to, I'm going to say some things that are probably going to be a little bit controversial, and I'm not trying to be intentionally. But I write in here, I said, if you examine what is taking place from a spiritual standpoint in America today, I believe that you will observe that a large majority of the population spends little or no serious time studying God's word. Now, I'm not I'm not talking about attending church, okay? And I'm not even talking about if you're involved in a weekly Bible study. These are great things. They really are. They're wonderful things. But what I mean by serious time is this. Do you have a place where you can go and you get still and you get quiet by yourself? With no distractions, without your cell phone, without uh, your iPad or your laptop, without the without any distractions, without anybody else around, and get quiet and and be still by yourself, and open up the scriptures, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Spend time in God's Word with just you and God by yourself, and not rush, not try to read three point two chapters a day. But just open up and allow God to speak to you and the Holy Spirit to teach you and minister to you from his word. I want to share, and this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I call it uh, my one of my life verses. And I, I say in the book here, uh, um, though, uh, what I mean by serious time is this, being still, becoming quiet by yourself, and then pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and show you what you need to see and hear from God's word. Don't be in a hurry to try to read a certain number of verses or chapters. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Take the time to really think about it and meditate on the Word. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, flip back over to Psalms and go to Psalms chapter 46. And in Psalms chapter 46, this is, and I want to give you an example. When we study the Word of God, there's really three different levels that you can study God's Word on. The first one is when we read the Word. And that may be a few a few verses, or it might be a chapter. But the first thing we do on the first level is we read the Word. 
then the next thing we can do is study the Word. And when we study the Word, what we might do is read some previous verses uh, and then read a section and then read some verses after that. So we get a context. of, And then we think about, okay, well, when I read this, who was who was speaking? Who were they speaking to? What were the circumstances? What was the environment? And then we can actually go to some different study things. Maybe it's a commentary. Uh, I use the old King James um, uh, Matthew Henry uh, commentary. I use a lot of different study study tools when I'm studying the Word. Maybe we go and look at some uh, words in the original Hebrew language or the original Greek language in the New Testament because uh, I can tell you the English language is a pretty shallow language. So when I say study the Word, I'm talking about taking some time and going to a particular verse and looking at it in the original language, whether it be Hebrew, Aramaic, or uh, or uh, 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 the Greek. And that, is, that d- deepens our understanding of the Word. And then the, the deepest level of studying God's Word is when we begin to meditate on the Word. And what do I mean by meditating on the Word? What I mean is when you take a verse or a section of a couple of verses, and, and you focus on them, and you read them over and over and over, and slow down and look at each word, and look at, the, look, look at them in the original language, and then get, get still and get quiet, and then go back and read them again. Pray over it. Say, Lord, what are you trying to show me from this set of verses or from this particular verse? And don't rush, but settle on that. See, meditate, when we worry about things, how many of us worry about something uh, and we have trouble getting it out of our mind? Well, see, worrying is a form of meditation. It's just a negative form of meditation. Where the positive form of meditation is, when I'm speaking about God's Word, is when we take a certain verse and maybe we think about it all day long. Maybe we think about it for two or three days or a week or, 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 or longer than that where we really chew on it and really stay stay on a particular verse or set of verses. That's what I call meditating on the Word. And the Bible actually tells us, meditate on these things. Meditate on the Word. We're called as believers in Christ to not just read the Word, not just study the Word, but meditate on the Word. Now, I want to show you an example. If you've got your Bible open to Psalms chapter 46, go to Psalms 46, verse 10. And here's what it says in Psalms 46 and 10. And I'm going to give you an example of, of really meditating on the Word. Psalm 46 and 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Now, I'm going to break this verse down for you just a second. First of all, it says, be still. The word be is a verb. It denotes action. So you're, you're saying, Craig, those, those two words together are almost contradictory. Be still? Okay, so I'm supposed to do some kind of action, but be still. So the word be there, what it means is to be intentional about something, to do something with, with intent. And the word still there in the original uh, Hebrew language is the word rapa, R-A-P-A. And it means to be alone, to abandon, to lower or humble oneself, to let go, to hang limp to be feeble. In other words, be is a verb. In other words, be intentional about this, and then still means stop what you're doing. Stop everything. Put your hands down. Clear your thoughts out. Clear your mind out. 
you got to be intentional about it. Remember, be still. Get to a place where you're not thinking about a a football game on the weekend. You're not thinking about what you're going to do later in the week with family and friends. You're not thinking about problems that you've got to solve. You're you're clearing all that out. Get still. And and, and you've got to be able to find a place where you can get quiet. For me, I do this in the middle of the night. I've been doing it for years. The Lord has started this many years ago where I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I get up and I spend time alone by myself. I have a place in our home where I study in the middle of the night. I like it because I feel like it's just me and the Lord and nobody else is awake. It's quiet in my home. I have a little reading light there. And so sometimes I'll just turn that light off and I'll be in totally in darkness by myself. I'll have my Bible open laying on my lap. And that's how I get still. And so this verse says, be still and know. Now that word know is a very interesting word in the original Hebrew language. It's the word yada, Y-A-D-A. And it means to know something in the most intimate way. To know for a certainty. To perceive. To trust. In other words, when God says, I want you to know me, and that word yada, um, I'll give you an example. I have good friends of mine I've grown up with. I know those guys and they know me. That's not what this means. My wife, Micah, I know her very intimately. And to get to know her very intimately, I had to spend time with her. I had to ask her questions, and I had to listen. I had to ask her about her dreams and and her desires and her fears and her concerns, and I had to listen, and we had to communicate. This word yada is, is more intimate than that. It's the most intimate relationship there can be. And God says, I want you to get still, and I want you to know. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, God would say, I want you to know that I am God. I am on my throne. I neither sleep nor slumber. And I'm on my throne when things are going well in your life. And I'm on my throne when things are going horrible in your life. I'm still there. I'm there all the time. I'm concerned about your life. I know what's going on. I can fix problems you can't fix. I can change circumstances you can't change. I can open doors no man can open. I can close doors no man can close. Be still and know that I am God. I have probably spent a thousand hours in my lifetime meditating on this verse right here. And in my book, in chapter one, I write, uh, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Take the time to really think about and meditate on the word. I say Psalm 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Open the scriptures and spend time with the Father. And when you do this, he will reveal life-changing things to you. This is what, when I, in chapter one, I'm talking about what is truth. I'm trying to get you to understand that we live in a world that is so chaotic, so busy, and so full of deception and demonic activity that if we don't have a place where we can get still and get quiet and spend time in God's word, how am I to know if something's a lie if I don't know what's the truth? Let me repeat that. How do I know if so- how am I able to tell if something's a lie if I don't know what the truth is? I'm going to take my next break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro and this is Stand Up for Jesus. 
More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio. The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I'm in Chapter 1 of my book. The book is titled, You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. Um, All the proceeds from this book go to the ministry work that we do. Um, and, and I'm in, I'm teaching from this book for several weeks. This is part two in this teaching series. Uh, I'm in chapter one and, and the title of the chapter is what is truth. And I just shared a, a really a life changing verse for me in Psalms 46 and 10 that says, be still and know that I am God. And I talked about when we study the word, we can read the word then we can study the word. And then the deepest level is when we meditate on the word. And I talked about the fact that how can I know if something's a lie unless I know what the truth is? And in my book, I write, knowing that the Word of God is true, if we don't spend serious time in it, we open ourselves up to become easily deceived by the enemy and the world. How can I really know if something is a lie if I don't know what the truth is? Spending this time in the Word gives us a discernment and a sensitivity to distinguish right from wrong. Dark from light and good from evil. When a nation of people doesn't have that discernment, it will be easier to deceive them. And then I write, God says in Jeremiah 33 and 3. So if we're we're in Psalm, I want you to hang a right and go to Jeremiah and go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Amazing verse here. So in Jeremiah chapter 33, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, and here's what it says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison. Now, I want to give you a little sidebar, just a comment on that right there. Notice it says the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah while he was still shut up in the court of the prison. Why is it sometimes we have to be in a, in a really difficult point in our life to hear from the Lord? I can give witness it happened with me. The Lord had to break me and isolate me from everything in my life, everything that that was going on in my world. And it, it was at that point that the Lord began to do a deep work in my life. So here in Jeremiah 20, uh, Jeremiah 33, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison saying, thus says the Lord who made it made what the word, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Now listen to the verse 3 here. I'm in Jeremiah 33 and 3. The Lord is speaking, and he says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. This is an amazing verse, and I want to I want to touch on a couple of words there. The first one is the word call. God says, call to me. And that word call in the original Hebrew language is the word Quora, Q-A-R-A. And it means to summon Yahweh by name for help. Stop and think about that. God says call, and that means to summon him by name for help. I love that. God says, call to me, and I will answer you. And that word answer in the original Hebrew language once again, you got to study to get to there. This level of it, uh, the, the, that word "answer" in the Hebrew word is the word "ana," a n a, and it means to respond, and it can in, also involve action. 
So God says, when you call upon me by name for help, I will respond to you, and sometimes with action. He says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Oh, my goodness. That's a promise from God that he says, if you will humble yourself, spend quality time with me. Um, stop and think this verse, about this verse I just read. God, are you kidding me? I, you're telling me that as, a, as one of your children, I have the capability of calling to you, summoning you by name, and asking for you to answer me and help me? And you, and you promise me here, you say, call upon me, and I will answer you. And so you will respond to me, and even sometimes with action, you will show me great and mighty things which I do not know. This is amazing, because I need God to show me great and mighty things which I do not know. Lord, give me discernment that I don't have. Lord, give me wisdom from you, not the wisdom from the world. And this is one of my prayers. I pray this often, Lord. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, give me wisdom from above. Give me the discernment to know between good and evil, between dark and light, between right and wrong. Lord, I'm asking you to show me and great and mighty things which I do not know. Lord, show me what's happening in the world and give me, un- give me understanding. Help me to discern between uh, what, what is a lie and what is the truth. Now, can you imagine praying that to God? Why would God not honor that prayer? What did David say in Psalm 51? Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. You know what? Get down really to it and say, Lord, I need you to show me great and mighty things which I do not know. Why would God not answer that prayer? To me, this is an amazing section of Scripture. And then in the book I write, Uh, Also in John 17, Jesus prayed to God the Father, and in verse 17, so flip over if you can to John chapter 17, and a lot of people think that uh, the Lord's prayer is when Jesus said, uh, our Father who art in heaven, that's actually that when Jesus, he's using that as a model prayer, because when he does that, he says, when you pray, pray like this, but many Theologians believe that uh, John chapter 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer because this is the longest prayer that Jesus prayed. And in John chapter 17, Jesus, first of all, prays to God the Father for himself, and then he prays for the disciples that are with him, and then he, de- then he prays for not only the disciples, for, but also for all believers that will come after that. And in John chapter 17... Verse 17, so I'm in John 17 and 17. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, first of all, let me take the word sanctify. The word sanctify means to set apart, to set something apart, to set a person apart. Actually, you can expand on it, and it says to set apart for holy use. But Jesus says, sanctify them, talking about all, felt, all believers throughout history. Jesus says, and he's praying to the Father, Lord, set them apart. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I know this sounds oversimplistic sometimes, but if God's word is true and Jesus said, sanctify them by your word, set them aside by your word, this is... This is the foundation of my life. When I hear something on the news, when I read something, 
I go to God's Word and see, what does God's Word say about this? Because if I hear something and I go to God's Word and it goes contrary, opposite to what God's Word says, that should be a red flag in my life. It should be a trigger. And I wrote in, my, in, my, in the book here, I said, the devil has done an amazing job of deceiving people into thinking that the Word of God is no longer relevant or that it's really not the Word of God at all. I hear people say the Bible was written by men, not God. And here's my answer to that. That is a lie from the enemy of your soul. Folks, when you hear people say the Bible is no longer relevant, when you hear people say uh, it's written by men, it's a book of myths, it's, it's hate speech, those are all lies from the devil. Jesus said your word is true. Sanctify them by your word. I'm going to take my last break and come back. My name is Craig Nedrow, and this is Stand Up For Jesus. Back to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedrow on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. My name is Craig Nedrow. I'm teaching from my new book. The book is titled, You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. And through this book, I'm going to go chapter by chapter, subject by subject, and look at what's really happening in America from the truth of God's Word. And I'm teaching from chapter 1 right now, and chapter 1 is titled, What is Truth? And I'm talking about the fact that we have to understand and come to the place where we can humble ourselves and understand that God's Word is the truth. And I just read from John chapter 17, verse 17, where Jesus is praying to God the Father, and he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And I mentioned that the devil has done an amazing job in deceiving people into thinking that the Bible is no longer God's word, that it's no longer true, that it was just written by men. So I want to take us from John 17 and 17 now and go over to Second Peter. Second Peter is going to be towards the very end of the, the New Testament. Go to Second Peter, and I'm going to begin reading in Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 20. And here's what Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says. It says in verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of uh, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So think about that word. Um, think about that verse. Peter is saying, listen, this book wasn't written just by men. These men were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote what the Holy Spirit led them to write. Listen, I find it amazing. This book was written, the Bible was written, over a period of several hundred years by over 40 authors that didn't know each other from different parts of the world where they, did, they hadn't traveled to over several hundred years by different people that did not know each other. And yet the Bible is all true and it fits together. And there's no discrepancies. There's no contradictions. This is an amazing, this, this book we have that we call the Bible is a miracle. It's the word of God. I want to share one more verse with you, and it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that means teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that word inspiration means God breathed in the original Greek language. You know, folks, I find it astonishing, astounding, that people will read something on the Internet or hear something on the news and just assume that it's the truth, but then they'll question what the Bible has to say. Listen, I've been studying this book, the Bible, for exhaustively for the better part of 20 years, and I can tell you without any hesitation, I can tell you absolutely the, the Bible is the Word of God and that it's all true. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, the Bible says, Every word of God is pure, and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. I have people say, Craig, do you really believe that the Bible is God's word? And I say, yes, I do. And I don't care if anyone thinks that's naive. I don't care if anybody wants to disagree with me about that. That's okay. I know what I know, and I know the Bible is God's word. I'm in chapter one of my new book. The book is titled, You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. You can go to Amazon and you can order the book or Barnes & Noble and order the book. Um, at the end of this program, you will hear my telephone number. And if you can't afford the book and you want a copy of the book, I will send you a copy of the book. If you can afford to buy the book, I wish that you would, because it, uh, when you buy the book, 100% of the proceeds will go towards ministries and helping missions and orphans and widows and different churches that we give to. We give to three different ministries in Israel. We That's correct. We support ministries in Israel. But you can order the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But if you can't afford the book and you want a copy, I will send you a copy of the book. Go on the phone number at the end of the, at the, end of the program, text your name, your contact information, and we will send you a book. I appreciate you tuning in. We'll be teaching for several weeks from my new book, titled, You Can't Handle the Truth, What's Really Happening in America. I appreciate you tuning in. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. You've been listening to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus, visit our website at craignedroministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we stand up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.